One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Needham, longtime Amazon seller, software developer, trying to uh, help you guys succeed on Amazon. It's easy and it's hard. That's how, that's what I always say about selling on Amazon. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about the hard part today. Uh, well, it's easy if you want to play by the rules, but like, uh, we're going to talk about the ways that people are breaking the rules. I've got uh, Chris McCabe from uh, e-commerce. Chris, he is a specialist, a former Amazonian specializing in Amazon compliance. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, every week, you know, I I learn more about Amazon. I learn more about black hat black hat tactics. And one thing I wanted answered when I went to Prosper about a month ago was right. more on the uh, launch strategies for our products and talking mm-hmm. to a lot of people and and service providers that do things such as rebates and chatbots. I brought them on the podcast. We've talked about them. It, it's a it's it's big in the space. A lot of people do it, and I was leaning in, asking you know agency owners uh, and you know large sellers, and like I whispered, like, "Are you doing this?" And like, yeah, like a lot of them are doing it, and they've got little strategies here or that, and like it's super tempting uh, for me. I've never done any of that to date. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I understand launch strategies historically involved these practices and concepts. And I mean, I totally get where they're coming from when you're starting something from scratch, especially. It's not like I don't understand the background. Uh-huh. Um, so but, why, like, why is this becoming uh, people that I would assume are, you know, legitimate business owners that they're, there's, they're, uh, uh, helping their clients brands win on Amazon. And then this is part of their tool. What worries me is that I'm still hearing from a steady stream of brands and Amazon sellers who are bringing old strategies, old concepts to me as we heard this was compliant. We're surprised to hear it's not. We were told that when we hired this service or employed this strategy, it would be within the rules and that there aren't enforcement actions on the Amazon side around these practices. And we're shocked and surprised and dismayed to find out that that's not the case. Often they're coming to me because they're already suspended on an account-wide level, right? Not just losing some reviews, not just getting... If they've just gotten a warning, there's still some time to rescue things and send a message back to Amazon saying, we've got the policy violation. We thoroughly scrutinized everything we're doing. We're changing things. We're, we're, we're implementing compliance management team-wide. There's lots of things you can say if it's just a warning. The problem is... Amazon, as time goes by, to answer your why question, I think you were saying, why now? Why so much focus on this? It's because Amazon's getting squeezed for fake positives and and reviews abuse in general on the platform, right? People are losing faith in the quality and the accuracy of reviews for sellers and for their products. I mean, that's where this all comes from, right? Yeah, and and, uh, uh, Chris actually shared with me some new communication that Amazon is giving in these warnings. And it's not necessarily a gray area where you can read between the lines and be like, okay, yeah, rebates is marketing. It's like an influencer uh, way of doing things. But uh, some of this messaging is very explicit. Uh, you know, some sentences such as 
compensating buyers for purchasing your products, you know, uh, that is rebates. Well, using claim codes, I mean, messaging earlier this year and pre- previous to now didn't have such specific reference. They're obviously talking about rebates and giveaways and some of these uh, bulleted points on the message that's going out. That message goes to a lot of suspended sellers. So they've already done these things and already. Been uh-huh. And uh, here's another line. Hiring third parties to try to improve ASIN rank and or reviews. Right. And I can explain why they put that in there um, just yeah. for deductive reason. Yeah. I mean, honestly, well, first of all, let's start with product PRA, product review abuse teams at Amazon have tripled in headcount. Um, so that just shows you, I mean, Amazon never wants to devote resources to anything, right? Especially human resources to things like seller performance. So if they're tripling PRA, it means that their feet are in the fire, they're under the gun, and they're motivated to show the government, the media, the world, whoever, that they're willing to punish sellers for breaking the rules, right? They're motivated, highly motivated to do so in a public way and in a se- severe and aggressive way. The best way to do that is to suspend thousands of accounts, which they've already done. Um, why are they mentioning companies, third parties? Um, it's not just for this. Any kind of potential abuse, whether it's reviews related or otherwise, Amazon has started saying, tell us who you paid, show us proof of payment. Tell us who you're working with. What, what were the strategies? What were the methods? No we way. want names, addresses, phone numbers, links. That's been going on for any code of conduct suspensions. That's been going on for a couple of years. That's not new. But in this case, it's obvious that Amazon's using the seller suspension process to get at these third elusive third-party services yeah, there are, and companies. Are they building like, uh, they're building a case. They're building, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, maybe they don't even know yet who they're going to chase off the the chase away from sellers, hiring them. Maybe we don't even know or they don't know who they're going to sue for for this. We know that we know that anything that fakes reviews is considered fraud. That's why the FTC is so interested and involved in it. Okay. Now, what about using these and uh, explicitly not asking for a review? If you're doing giveaways, it doesn't matter anymore whether or not you're asking for a review, which is why I've been alarmed when people said, yeah, but we only we, we gave away the product and it was 100 percent you know, rebate afterwards. We didn't ask for a review before they left the review. We, yeah. we just hinted that we'd pay them back afterwards. Doesn't yeah. work anymore. People got away with that for a while. Those days are long, long dead. Interesting. Um, unbiased, you know, all these terms. Well, we only asked for an honest review. We only ask for an unbiased review. You're using 2019, 2018 logic and language there. None of that, none of those concepts apply anymore. None of that's relevant anymore. I can guarantee you 100% none doesn't care about that. You know, if if all this happens outside of, uh, all this communication happens outside of Amazon and Mm -hmm. you're explicitly telling these, these shoppers to not buy a review, how does Amazon track this? Um, they're reverse engineering a lot of this stuff through your messaging. I mean, if you're using many chat sequences, um, all they have to do is follow your sales flow. I mean, it's not that difficult. They can either purposefully do it themselves or you get reported by a buyer who may even be a buyer account tied to a competitor. doesn't matter anymore. As long as the accusation is valid, they will follow that sales flow and funnel through to the end 
where you're inducing a positive review or discouraging a negative review. Sometimes it's just in the messaging in the many chat sequence where they say, if you're happy, leave a review. If you're not happy, contact us and, and we'll fix it. I mean, that that's that language well, still appears on product well, inserts. Inserts still have those. Oh, yeah. right. And people are starting to get suspended over inserts now. Right. Because all you have to do, again, whether it's from a competitor or otherwise, and Amazon doesn't care as long as it's a valid accusation, it can be reported by a competitor of yours. All the Amazon needs is a copy, like a screenshot of, of the insert. And to verify that you're, that that person isn't lying and making the story up, all they have to do is go in your FBA inventory, pop open some packaging and look and make sure that the image that you sent or that that party sent matches what's inside the packaging. Yep. They're totally willing to do that now. Two years ago, they weren't so willing to do it because it's a pain and it's time consuming, labor intensive. Those days are over. They would yep. be happy to look at the inserts because they realized that was a low hanging fruit, easy way to catch people and to suspend them. And it helps them inflate and boost their numbers for account suspensions. Because as we saw in the last sort of reviews of use purge, Amazon was publicly quoted saying, we suspended 6,700 sellers today. Or we, you know, depends on when the story ran. They would say, we suspended 9,000 sellers in the last three weeks. They were proud of those numbers. How did they get those numbers to be so high? Easy stuff, low hanging fruit, finding product inserts, following many chat sequences, or connecting people to rebate services because the claim codes were being cited in messaging that people received from the, the seller's uh, sales floor. So those things aren't hard for them to follow anymore. And they're they're better at researching it. They're better at taking time and doing it quickly. I mean, in the old days, they were like, this will take too long. Who cares? I don't want to do this. They don't do yeah. that anymore. Yeah, no, the, the, the stakes get higher every every year. And I mean, I hear my friends now, like they don't have as much confidence in Amazon because this has kind of hit mainstream. Um, so uh, then, you know, one of the reasons I want to get on the, wanted to get you on the podcast is because you talked about how, um, you know, a Gizmodo article to, uh, and, and Wall Street Journal did some research on right. how uh, some sellers are able to contact shoppers. And, right. The, uh, um, sorry. Go ahead. You know, explain. Explain it. Um, they, there are fancy terms for this. Uh, I think the one that the Wall Street Journal surfaced that that was dug into in in, in Gizmodo was um, reverse reviewer lookup. I mean, these are fancy words for we can access internal screenshots, internal company data, and share it with you in terms of how to reach out to buyers. If you're getting hit with negative reviews from a low quality product, and then and then um, who's doing this? Like so, that, uh, there's actually dozens of companies doing it. If you want, but uh, the, they're but, they're getting access to Am- internal Amazon data. Yeah, they're getting access to they're getting order numbers, buyer buyer info, which is a complete violation of buyer you know, data privacy, consumer and privacy. Uh, paying paying Amazon employees to get this. Right, they're they're inducing employees. Um, I'm I'm sure through a variety of arrangements to provide the info. It's not something that they would know unless they had access to internal team tools. That's correct. Oh wow! Um, Which is actually not news. They're pro- they're already like prosecuting people for having sold internal data. There's been yeah yeah about it. yeah. yeah. The, the, part of this this isn't too new, but like every yeah. every iteration kind yeah. of has a different flavor and. Um, 
you know, um, uh, I'm all for playing fair. And so I, you know, that's why I do put a lot of effort into communicating this also. Yep. So I play fair because I can't afford to be close to the line. Of course. Um, I don't think anyone can afford to on this particular topic. Right. I mean, however much gray area there was, it's gone. <laughs> so um, I've had someone offer me to be like, Hey, I can make these reviews go away. Mm. Very specific. And, and I'm always like, well, how are they doing that? If it's just like, you know, I paid to get uh, negative reviews lifted. Uh, would this be abuse of the report button or like the uh, code of conduct violation? I mean, you can always, if you're getting fake bogus negative reviews that are obviously from a party who's not legitimate, you can petition to remove those in a legitimate way. Um, that legitimate way does not include, you know, compromising consumer data privacy and hitting up employees for which buyer left me that review. You can find the, you know, you can reach out and say, um, you can reach out to Amazon, not to the buyer. You can reach out to Amazon and disclose patterns of, we got the same fake review Friday afternoon, every week for six weeks saying the same exact thing. This is a reviewer. We've looked at the reviewer history. The reviewer is suspicious and they're shady. We need you as an abuse prevention investigator to look at the reviewer and figure out if they need to delete our, the review on us, which obviously you're petitioning for removal, but also the reviewer themselves, not just their reviews. The reviewer themselves should be banned at that point. Okay. Um, so that's one legitimate way of pursuing it. The reason that this became such an issue that the Wall Street Journal covered it is because buyers were perplexed at why sellers were hounding them and contacting them so much, and they didn't understand how they got their number or why they were re you know, reaching out to them, offering them $100 gift cards. I mean, a certain number of buyers were fine with it, and they said, great, pay me off. I'll delete my review, and they didn't care about um, the integrity of the process. All the other buyers complained to Amazon because they're scared to death that their details are compromised, right? Okay. That's why this stuff is uh, sensitive. Yeah. Now let's let's combine this with a another uh, new development on Amazon. Amazon aggregators uh, mm -hmm. and their mission to they all, they, they all like make these huge claims. Uh, we grow Amazon brands, you know, seventy five percent in a year, yep. and uh, they they do that because that helps them um, in their acquisition process and in essentially in convincing a brand to sell to them. Right now, um, I just get this feeling that um, there's a reckoning coming. <laughs> no, 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 no. Our Amazon aggregator is going to start as they really get smart about Amazon. They learn about all these other tactics. Are some of them going to break mm -hmm. the line? Do you could go out and just say your opinion right now? Yeah. Uh, will, will they have pressure from say? You know, if they have like pressure from their their the higher ups in their business to just grow, grow, grow at all costs, mm -hmm. um, they do have they, that pressure. Yeah, yeah, they have that pressure because they've got use it or lose it venture capital, which motivates you to buy even if it's something you shouldn't be buying. Um, and there's so much competition among so many aggregators to buy so many brands that there's a limited pool of brands that are worth buying that they're all competing for. So that naturally pushes and pressures them to potentially buy companies or brands that won't make it because they might have a bunch of reviews deleted. They may have falsely inflated uh, sales numbers, right? They're, they're doing due diligence before they buy these brands. Naturally, you'd expect them to. Some of the aggregators don't understand 
that all it takes is a couple of slip ups or a couple of reports of abuse for some of those brands to lose, you know, 2000 reviews overnight and have their sales rank plummet, which means the asset and the valuation, you know, aren't as valuable as they, as they looked. Well, Uh, I've been approached by several aggregators for due diligence, right? So I have talked to them about, Hey, there might be not as much there, there, there might be not as much value as you perceive. Yeah. Um, so, uh, now, but here's a, a, a tricky prediction. Do, do you think that one of these aggregators is actually going to start to do some of these tactics themselves and have um, essentially, uh, you know, break Amazon's rules and end up getting some large accounts suspended and maybe even like their related accounts if they're, if they're managing multiple accounts? Right. The- Related accounts issues. Interesting how Amazon's going to manage the, you know, the, the aggregators that are running many different brands accounts at the same time. But in terms of aggregators doing black hat, I think they've got far too much money at stake to deliberately do black hat and expect to get away with it. Especially in a climate where you probably saw those giant Chinese accounts were closed last month um, that were that were caught that were caught faking. Um, I don't know the majority of their reviews. Um, Amazon's now willing to take down large sellers. Some sellers are doing 20, 30, 40 million a year that are being that have been suspended over the last year or two, going back to 2019. So Amazon's willing to do it. They don't do it every time. Some of these accounts are so big and so protected, I guess, in a sense that they get a slap on the wrist, but Amazon's still willing to delete a lot of their reviews. The question is, if they start doing the same practices again, does Amazon suspend them for good and permanently ban them the second time around? Which, as we've seen, a lot of reoffenders for reviews abuse or sales rank manipulation are not getting back on the site. Um, they're appealing and they're doing whatever the same plan of action was they did the first time, but they're considered reoffenders and they're put in the reoffender bucket, which means the odds of success are, are greatly reduced. Some aggregators may do it out of ignorance, but I don't see them doing risking hundreds of millions of dollars deliberately for blackout. Yeah. Uh, but the, there is a, yeah, they have like the pressure of like, you know, they got too much money at stake, but then, um, you know, there's so much money that like, they have to like grow, grow, grow. And they're like, right. uh, I think it's possible that some of them really make some big mistakes. Yeah. All it takes is a middle manager to like, be like, you know what, this, I believe this person that's like selling the service and I'm going to just like, we're going to launch this way. Right. And, and possible. Yeah. And their hands get cut, caught in the cookie jar. Um, yeah. So one last thing I, I come across sometimes like some people that are influential in the space and they have their own conferences and mm-hmm. they're all about black hat tactics where you have people uh, congregating together, paying a lot of money just yeah. to learn from people that are like professing we manipulate. Yeah. I'm um, and I mean, like, there's a lot, like, I've seen some of these conferences and you have to pay a lot of money. Uh, to, right. To, Masterminds. To yeah. It's, yep. behi- it's behind closed doors. A few, a few questions come to mind. Like, one, would Amazon ever go after these guys? How how can these people live when like so much information just kind of gets spread? Uh, I mean, some of those groups I think are promoting old techniques just to kind of milk it until the show's over. Um, and 
sellers, I'm not sure why they're buying it. And, and some of it's just gullibility. Um, they may meet sellers who have really only existed on Black Hat. If Black Hat disappeared tomorrow, imagine how many large accounts would disappear too. Um, whether it's tomorrow or next year, I mean, those businesses, from my perspective, are built on mud. And they could disappear anytime Amazon, who you know has the resources and the wherewithal to chase anyone that's doing Black Hat, if you want my honest opinion. Um, those businesses are based on Black Hat only. If Black Hat is reduced, their ability to be a successful business is reduced. Their ability to survive is reduced. They may think that they've been getting away with stuff for two or three years, going to these masterminds that are, you know, pay in or 10,000, 20,000 just to show up. Um, those have thrived in the past. So I completely get why they believe that what's happened in the past will continue on in the future. But what I've heard through chatter and from sellers and other people is that Amazon does infiltrate some of these groups, at least Facebook groups. Um, they are watching people's online presence. They are harvesting info. It doesn't necessarily play out in real time. Sometimes it takes a year or two of gathering up stuff. I think some of the black hat sellers think that they'll make so much money in a year or two that if they're stopped after a couple of years, it kind of doesn't matter because they've made so much anyway. Um, I don't think they're going to feel that way if the, if the music suddenly stops and they don't have a chair to sit on. Oh, um, well, I mean, if you look at the Chinese suspensions, they talked about how much of their money was actually being held by Amazon. Um, you can make all the money you want, but like how much of an Amazon's business money is actually held in Amazon in both inventory and just uh, disbursement money. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know. Um, I mean, my business is done, you know, millions on Amazon, but um, I personally, you know, am, am cash poor, even though that like, you know, on paper, like my business looks like it's doing really right. well. And so a suspension would be like devastating. You'd have creditors to pay and you wouldn't yeah. have more revenue coming in. I'm so glad you brought up the funds because if you're busted for code of conduct, they often sign you out of your account or they refuse to respond to any appeals, whether you're signed out and have no access or not, but they keep your money. If it's code of conduct, they don't plan to disperse whatever they owe you. You're either going to arbitration or you're not going to arbitration and you're not getting it back. Unless you get reinstated, you're not getting those funds. The only way to guarantee reimbursement or disbursement is to get reinstated, but some of these accounts can't get reinstated because they are repeat offenders. I've heard from some people like that. I actually don't take as clients, by the way, reoffenders for reviews abuse because I know that the odds are against, you know, I'm only offering a service if I know there's a very, very strong likelihood that I can help you and you can get back on. I cannot say that to reoffenders. Right. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's where that's where things get a little bit tricky. Well, yeah. um I know it's tempting. People get attacked by competitors. They, they're getting pounded with fake negative reviews. They don't know what to do about it. They ask Amazon to delete some. Amazon doesn't respond. I understand where some of the angst and you know some of those problems, uh, business related fears, come from. But um, you know, there's a lot of good brand survival tools out there that don't involve drifting to the dark side and doing what your competitors are doing to you. If people need help reporting abuse, I mean, it's something we've been doing for a couple of years, and we're pretty good at it now. So awesome. Okay, well, um, I do feel like, uh, based on the way you're talking and the way that Amazon's changing communication, 20, uh, it's like 2017, 2016, where 
Amazon really said, okay, no more pay for reviews. And that's good. Yeah. And then um, that was the enforcement for focus for a while. And everyone kind of uh, moved on and did a slightly different thing. They would Mm. do these giveaways and just suggest a review and not like, not like require it, but let Amazon's communication is getting clearer right now that we're kind of hitting another uh, round. And honestly, I think the Ch- the Chinese seller suspension was a big part of uh, uh, this showing that Amazon is acting. But I do think that if they were to like make a lawsuit, if they're able to put a lawsuit together against someone that is assisting in this manipulation, that will be a seminal moment of its own. Yeah. And they're, uh, yeah. They're squeezing sellers for info. I mean, why would you ask as part of an appeal for reinstatement, give us all the names and companies you've paid and show us an invoice that proves you paid them. They're harvesting info to chase those people. I mean, it's just logical oh, that that's what they're doing. Why I'd, would, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd love to see that, that, uh, that notice if that happens. Um, because you know these black hat tactics make life harder if you are a quote unquote white hat seller. Um, and, and by the way, the Seller Velocity Conference we're doing here in Boston, September twenty third. This, this is a white hat conference. <laughs> this is for brands that are playing it the right way, following the rules. Obviously, even brands that do everything by the book experience problems with competitors. Or let's say, let's them. say you're, you're, let's you're, just make that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have no speakers that are uh, deliberately well, coloring outside the lines. Yeah. What if you're, uh, what if you're black hat, but you're ready to, you're ready to repent <laughs> and, and go fully white hat. Uh, I think this could be a good chance for you to be like, okay, you know, these are, these are the clear lines and my, mm-hmm. my business isn't worth risking anymore. Yeah, so you can start, Today, yeah. you can start that. Some of those people don't even have warnings yet. They they book a consult on my calendar, tell me what they're doing. And I say, hey, well, you're calling me, obviously, because you got a policy violation or a warning. Nope. Haven't been suspended yet. Have no violations for this. So it's not like too late. You can just start doing things differently. If you have a bunch of product inserts sitting in FBA that won't be considered compliant, you can pull those out. Maybe it's painful financially. But or you can sell through that inventory quickly and not replenish it with more violation, you know, yeah. product inserts. I mean, most there people, are ways. To yeah. stop. Most people can sell through their inventory in about a month. And, you know, that's uh, not a unreasonable risk. Right. Um, so if, if uh, you got this seller velocity conference, September 23rd, uh, he told me right before the show that we've got a, a coupon code for for listeners of the show. That's a, uh, that coupon code is smartestseller.com. Oh, sorry, smartestseller. Smartestseller, all one word. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> smartestseller, just don't do a gap. Make it all one yeah. word. I'm, smartestseller. Um, and if you want to get hold of Chris, if you have any questions specifically, like if you, you know, you need an audit of your business to understand like where your um, vulnerabilities are, you can reach Chris at chris at ecommercechris.com. And um, how do they learn more about the show? Yeah, so uh, sellervelocityconference.com. Um, I'll give you the link so you can share it with your okay. listeners. Yeah. Um, definitely have a great lineup of speakers. It's not the same people you hear and see at every conference. It's here in Boston. Uh, we're doing in-person and virtual tickets, but we'd love to see you here in person. 
Uh, it's the first conference we're doing in my hometown, so I'm pretty excited about it. It's a one-day, all-day conference on the 23rd of September. Awesome. All right, that's that's, that's good stuff. And I'm, I'm happy to talk to you, Chris. I, I learned a lot, and specifically, like I like moving out of the gray area and understanding where Amazon is. So um, very welcome to the show, and, and people love these types of episodes. I always awesome. get a lot of reaction out of it. Okay, so... Let's do it again soon. Yeah, that, so that wraps up this episode. And um, make sure you hit the like and subscribe. Well, there is no like button, but you can just hit the subscribe and uh, then catch us on the next one. All right, take care, everyone. One, two, three. Yeah!